your notes back. Raise your hand. Oh, boy. How many of y'all were pitiful Christians and forgot to bring your notes back? Pitiful, pitiful, pitiful. All right. Raise your hands. They're going to they're gonna pass them out. We've got, we've got some that's got them, and, and, and they're going like the wind, the whirlwind, passing them out, passing them out. I hope we got enough. I hope we got enough. We'll, we'll do what we can if we don't. All right. While they're passing them out, raise, hold your hand up high now. Hold your hand up high so they can see them. If we got enough, all right. If we don't, we'll have to wing it. All right. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to review just a second uh, of the first part of it, and then we're going to jump all the way and, and focus on the, the last part. All right? Uh, we have been, the last two or three weeks, the last two or three weeks, uh, we have been discussing, really, the subject of sin, the consequences of sin. Uh, what takes place when that happens? We know uh, because of two different, two different areas. One was blatant sin, was blatant sin by Achan, and he took what didn't belong to him. He took and, and tried to justify his sin uh, by calling it spoils, and it wasn't spoils. Uh, but isn't it amazing how we try to justify doing wrong when we really want to do it? Oh, y'all quiet on me on that one. I said, isn't it amazing how we try to justify things when we really want to do something even though we know we ain't supposed to do it? Amen? Amen. But, but with that, there was that, that, that area of sin. But then on the other hand, we find Joshua uh, who, who acted without asking. He presumed and he just assumed God uh, was in what he was fixing to do. And, and because of that, because he didn't ask God first, because he didn't consult God and he listened to the wrong people, uh, he got into trouble. And he lost the battle, and he was defeated. How many of y'all know it's a bad thing to listen to the wrong people? Amen. You can get some wrong advice. And by the way, you can get some bad advice from people who mean well. You can, you can, anyway, anyway, that's, I don't want to take time there, but just, just keep that in mind. There are consequences to sin. You say, oh, but I'm going to just get forgiveness. You may get forgiveness, but there's still consequences. There's still consequences. So let's not even go there. I would rather not have to pay the toll. Say amen. amen. Okay, so we have learned that there's great, dire consequences to sin. But the last few weeks we've learned that God is a God who forgives. Say amen. amen. He is a God who forgives. That's what we learned last week in the very beginning of, of the study, that there can be a new beginning. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you went. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter if you're like the prodigal son and you went to a far country and wasted your substance on riotous living. There is a father at home that's ready, willing, and able to welcome you back. It doesn't matter who you are and what you did. We have a forgiving God. We have a God who forgives. We have a God who restores when he does forgive. I need a witness right there. So we have a new beginning a new beginning. Thank God we have a God of new beginnings. But then, secondly, we learned that there was a new strategy. There was a new strategy. He didn't do the same thing in uh, the city of Ai as that he did in Jericho. He changed things up a little bit. And, and let, me, let me do this. Let me read so y'all can sit down so y'all are real excited about me continuing that. Y'all want to sit down. Amen. Look in verse number 30. Look in verse number 30. It says this. Then Joshua built an altar unto the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones, over which no man hath lift up any iron. 
And they offered their own burnt offerings unto the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And he wrote there upon the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he wrote in the presence of the children of Israel. And all Israel and their elders and officers and their judges stood on this side the ark and on that side before the priests the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, as well the stranger. As he that was born among them, half of them over against Mount Gerizim and half of them against Mount Ebal, as Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded before that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward he read all the words of the law, the blessings and cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. Now I, I put, I put uh, big parentheses around this particular statement. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded which Joshua read not. Listen, we need all the Bible. Not just the stuff we like. Not just the stuff that's palatable. Not just the stuff that we're good at. We need all of the Bible. Amen? He read it all before all the congregation of Israel with the women and the little ones and the strangers that were conversant among them. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for a great crowd tonight that's here, that's hungry, that wants to learn and wants to study and wants to become better Christians. And, God, I pray that you'll help us to do that. I pray that you'll help us to learn. I pray, God, that you'll give me the ability to teach in such a way that everybody here can understand it. Everybody here can clearly grasp what is being taught. Lord, there's a terrible world out there, and we have to be ready. We have to be prepared. We come in here to be energized. We come in here to be encouraged. We come in here to be edified. And Lord, and if we need it, we come in here to be convicted. I pray that you'll help us. I pray that you'll uh, uh, change us. Lord, I pray that you'll give us what we stand in need of. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. you may be seated. You may be seated. A new beginning. We've learned that God will forgive and God will restore. He will take you back. He will forgive us of our transgressions and our iniquities. So many times through the Bible, we find people messing up and God taking them back. We find people falling and God picking them back up. We find God, I, I, one of the greatest examples is Peter when he said, Listen, flesh and your, your, flesh is, is, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. He said, you're going to deny me. You're going to mess up big time. But when you are converted, he said, strengthen the brethren. I have prayed for thee. And I'm glad we have a God who not only forgives, I'm glad we have a God who intercedes. Amen. Now, the first point we learn, and, 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 and the summary of that, is he, we have a God of new beginnings, a God who restores and a God who forgives. The second point, we have a new strategy. We have a new strategy. Now, what do we learn from that? What is the conclusion of that? What is the summary of that? That God does not want us to be dependent on methods or men. God does not want us... And I just wrote this. This is not, this is not technically in your notes. I wrote this in my notes just as a summary for the, uh, for the review tonight. So if you want to write it down, that's fine. If not, that's fine too. Uh, what did we learn from this? That God did something different in, in the city of Ai, or I, however you want to say that, that he did in Jericho. He did not do the same. He did not plan it the same. He did not use the same strategy. He used something different. Why? 
Why? Because God doesn't want us dependent. It wasn't Joshua. It wasn't his skill. It wasn't his military uh, 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 prowess that got the victory won. It was God. Now, how do we apply that today? How many of y'all realize that man has a tendency to worship? God, God put in every human being a strong desire to worship. And the problem is, is sometimes we put the object of the worship in the wrong place. Sometimes we worship, we worship religion. Sometimes we worship a style of religion or a style of worship. Sometimes we even worship people. There are people that worship ministers when they should be worshiping the one the minister's talking about. Are y'all with me? We have to be very careful. We have to be very careful that we don't get so hung up on the methods and we don't get so hung up on the person or the people that we focus on the one. Amen. In God. Why do you think he did it so many different ways? He's a God of variety. He didn't just he didn't just heal uh, uh, he didn't just heal the blind person by just uh, saying the word. He didn't just heal the blind person by spitting on the ground, making mud pie, stick it in their eye. He some some he even spit directly in their eye. Why? God does it different ways, different times. He can do whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, however he wants to do it. I need a witness. He's a God of variety. So we have a new strategy. What do we learn? That God, he doesn't want us dependent on men or methods, okay? Number three. Number three, I think this is where we stop. Am I correct on that? All right. Uh, Number three, we find a new victory. A new victory. After the sin was dealt with, after the sin was eradicated and and got out of the camp, and they, they decided to listen to God this time, they decided to talk to God this time, they decided to get his plan and, 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 and his uh, advice this time. Now they won again. Isn't that amazing? When they talk to God, God tells them what to do. They do it. They win. When they ignore God and don't listen to God, don't inquire from God, they go off on their own and do it in their own way, in their own logic and what makes sense to them, they fail. Isn't that a coincidence? How many of y'all have had that same experience before? How many of y'all be honest with me? We're a little quiet tonight. I guess it's been a rough week this week. It's been a rough week for me. But uh, how many of us have ever gone on our own and it didn't work out quite so well? How many of us should sing every morning, Jesus, take the wheel and the pedals? Amen? Well, find out. They won. They got victory. They overcome. They, they were victorious in the battle. Now, what do we learn from this? Three things. Write this down, and, and then we'll talk about it, all right? First, we find AI emptied. The strategy called for them to come into to really, uh, he had people in an ambush. <clears throat> he did things differently. He had people hiding. He had people uh, sitting in wait. And then he had a group of people who would come, and Joshua led that charge, and come right up into the city, right up into the city to the point that they thought, okay, here they come again. Here they come again. Let's go get them again. We'll whoop them again. We'll deal with it. We whooped them last time. We'll whoop them again. And guess what? They were arrogant. They were self-confident. And they come after Joshua. Well, Joshua tricked them. 
He acted like they were fleeing. Oh, here we go again. Listen, let's go, let's go get it again. He was fleeing, and we know all this. And I'm trying to save time because I always run out of time because y'all don't listen fast enough. Say amen. <clears throat> so I'm summarizing this chapter. Go home and read it. Or you should have done read it by now. Uh, but, but he draws them out of the city. When he draws them out of the city, he raises his spear, and the people that were hiding go into the city, and they burn the city behind the soldiers. The soldiers turn around, and they see everything, and they said, uh-oh. And now they attack. Now they attack. Now watch this. Watch this. Write these other two things down, and, and, and we'll, we'll talk about it. First, we have the city emptied, and then we have the city conquered. Then we have the city conquered. Then C, write this down. <clears throat> we have the city spoiled. You see, now we get to keep the stuff. Now, this, there's a cool truth in this. There's a cool truth in this. If, when you write that down, look up at me so I know you're through. So I know you're through. All right, all right, all right. Watch this. His strategy... His strategy for this city, his strategy for this battle was totally different than the strategy it was for Jericho. Can we all agree on that? But it was strategic. It was in such a way that, oh man, this is great. God used the first failure to win the second battle. Now watch. You remember when they went the first time? When they first, when they first went into the city, the city of Ai, they, they, they defeated them. Killed 30, 30-something men, all right? There was an overwhelming victory because God's presence wasn't with them. God's power wasn't with them. They assumed that. They went in there, and they got defeated. Are we all together on that? Say amen. Okay, so this is what God told them to do. He said, this time, I want you to go up there and act like you're going to fight and then act like you're running. Because they think, they, they, they think they're going to win again. And they think that the same thing that happened the first time is going to happen the second time. Are you all with me? And so he used that. He used that. Now, what, what are we getting out of that? What's the point of that? God used their failure to give them victory. See, you're not getting it. What's the point? What's the point? The point is this. Sometimes, because of failure, we want to quit. Because of failure, we want to give up. Because we've messed up and we have fallen, the devil will jump on our back and he will put us through a guilt trip and he will say, God will never use you again. You're worthless. You're no good. There's nothing good about you. You'll never accomplish anything. And the devil will use your failure and your defeat to keep you from going on to victory. But God is teaching us right here, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your failure. It doesn't matter if you've fallen. God can take the very thing you fail at and the very thing you messed up and bring great victory in your life now you know it's getting serious when i get high pitched say amen isn't that wonderful i'm telling you when when god says in romans 8 28 that all things work together for good all things not just the great things we enjoy not just the things we think is good but the bad stuff in our life the failures in our life, the times we fall on our face in our life, God can take that very thing and bring the greatest victory and just punch the devil right in the nose. Amen. 
What do you think he did? What do you think he did with Joseph? You remember when his brothers tried to destroy him? His brothers put him in a pit. His brothers sold him into slavery. And at the end of the deal, they were scared to death. Oh, my goodness, he knows what we are. When Papa's dead, he's going to kill us. And this is what he said. He said, you meant it for evil. You tried to hurt me. You tried to destroy me. You used this against me. But God meant it for good. God took your treachery. God took your deceit. God took what you did to me, and he made something great out of it. What's the point? Don't let failure keep you from getting up again. And not only that, but don't let failure cause you to think that God's through with you. Man, I can't tell you how many times that when I've messed up, I don't even want to pray because the devil's convinced me he don't want to talk to me now. Am I alone with that? God will take what you failed at and he will make a great victory but here's the key you got to do it his way don't try to justify your failure don't try to do it logically don't try to win don't try to have victory in your life and try to figure it out on your own because you will go crazy Are y'all with me? So we have a new victory. They win the battle. And let me just throw this in. Let me just throw this in. He said, now when you win and you destroy them, which God is bringing judgment on a wicked society and a wicked king, and, and when you do that, he said, I want you to take the spoils for yourself. Now here's the thing. All Achan had to do was be just a little bit patient. And everything he took the first time, God wanted to give him anyway. This is not in the notes, but I'm feeling this for some reason. How many of y'all remember remember, uh, when Jesus was fasting in the wilderness? Y'all remember that? He was fasting in the wilderness, 40 days he was fasting, and here comes the devil. He, he, he tempted him in three different ways. You remember he said, if, if, if thou be the Son of God. And by the way, he's not saying, he's not saying I don't think you are him. Jesus, Jesus and the devil are well acquainted with each other. Yes. The devil knew who he was. What he's saying here is, man, you're God's son. You don't, you, they, you don't deserve to be hungry. Turn these, turn these stones into bread. What's he trying to do? He's trying to get him to operate outside his father's will. Then he took him to the pinnacle of the temple. He said, bow down and worship me. He said, he said all these kingdoms, look around, all the kingdoms of the world, I'll give thee. And by the way, he could because he's the prince of the power of the air. He's the God of this world. All that you see in culture, everything that's happening, uh, listen, the media, uh, uh, television, everything is being operated by Satan. He said, if you'll just bow down to me, I'll give you all that you see. He took him to a, a high ledge and said, cast yourself off, because doesn't the word say that God will not let you dash your foot against a stone, that the angels will catch you up? That, hey, 
And all three times he quoted the word back to him. But watch this. What was he trying to do? He was offering Jesus a shortcut. Had had God the Father not already promised to God the Son that he was going to make this world his footstool? Did he not already promise that Jesus would rule? But see, what the devil was offering was to bypass the cross. He was trying to bypass and shortcut God's will. Kind of like this. God wants, God wants couples to enjoy intimacy. But the devil says, don't worry about a ring. Don't worry about marriage. Just live together. What, what, is, what is the devil doing? He's trying to get you to shortcut and short-circuit God's perfect will and plan. And see, he's saying, just, just, just go this route. And guess what? It always leads to destruction. Sin never leads to anything good. No matter how you try to justify it. Are y'all with me? He said, I will not do that. I will not. Number one, the Bible says we're to worship him and him only should we worship. And when he said about casting his foot, dashing his foot against the stone, he said, look, he said, it also says that thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So here's the point. All Achan had to do was wait and be patient and let God move and let God work. And everything he thought he wanted, God wanted to give him anyway. But he didn't wait on God. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. So here's the point. <clears throat> here's the point. God can take our messes. God can take our problems. God can take our tragedies. God can take our failures. God can take our mistakes. He can take it all, and he can make something great out of it. Yeah. Now, number four, <clears throat> and this is really where I want to hunker down a little bit right here. <clears throat> what was number one? A new, everybody say it, number one, a new beginning. beginning. Number two, a new, okay, okay, can we do this together? Help us now. A new strategy, all right? Number three, a new Victory. All right, now, number four, a new covenant. <clears throat> a new commitment, a new covenant. We find, we find uh, Joshua, and, and, and basically he's fulfilling the responsibility and, and, and the command that Moses gave him before they went into the promised land. If you go back to uh, Deuteronomy chapter uh, 26, 27, 28, you'll find out that Moses gave them some instructions. He said, when you get into the promised land, and he said, he told them where to do it too. I mean, specifically where to do it. There at Shechem. Shechem was the center. Shechem was the center of the promised land. Kind of like, kind of like the center of, of, of a wheel, the spokes of a wheel. It was the very center. It's where Shechem was. He said, when you, go, when you get in the promised land, I want you to go to Shechem. I want you to go, and it, basically it lays in a valley. It lays in a valley between two mountains, the mountains that we just named. And he said, when you get there, I want you to build an altar. He said, not only, not only do I want you to build an altar, I want you to take and I want you to uh, basically make a monument, kind of like a memorial, plaster it, whitewash it, and then write God's word upon that monument in that memorial. 
He said, when you do that, then I want you to read it. Then I want you to read it. I want you to get everybody, and if you'll, if you'll read this, you'll find out they put six tribes on one side, six tribes on the other. The ark, are you all with me? The ark of the covenant, which represented the presence of God, the monument there, and they begin to read. And they begin to read the, the cursings. And they begin to read the blessings. Now, there's all, all of this we're going to learn what this is all about. But let's take it one at a time. Let's take it one at a time. Let's look at the altar. First, let's look at the altar. He not only told him, told him to build an altar, he told him how to build it and what to do with it. So he basically covered two things. He basically covered two things. If you want to write this out beside your notes, I put this in mind. We find the construction of the altar and the content. The construction of the altar and the content. What's so, in, what's so important about how they were to build it? Look what it says. It says in verse number 30. Are you there? Say amen. When Joshua built an altar unto the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, here's how he said to build it. An altar of whole stones over which no man hath lift up any iron. And they offered their burnt offerings unto the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. So let's look at this just a minute. Let's look at this altar. This is really good. Here, here he tells them. He says, listen, don't carve on it. Don't work on it. Don't put any designs on it. Don't make it beautiful. Don't make it pretty. He says, I want you to go and take flat stones, and I want you to build this altar. But don't mess with it. Don't put any handmade anything on it. Don't tamper with it. It needs to be all natural, all simple here. Now, what do, what do we get from that? And what do we take from that? What's the purpose of that? Here's the deal. In building this altar, in building this altar, he was careful to do exactly what Moses said, not to apply any tool to the stones picked up in the field. Here it is, guys. No human work was to be associated with a sacrifice lest sinners think their own works can save them. Are y'all with me? Let me go back. No human work was to be associated with the sacrifice, lest sinners think their own works can save them. What does God say? For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He did not want any workings on the altar because it was a sign and it was a symbol that what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It is not my works. It is not my deeds. It is not my good attendance. It's not anything that I could ever do. It's the grace of God. It is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I am saved by faith and grace through God. I can't get in. I can't earn it. I can't do anything to deserve it. It's all by the simple grace of God. Say amen. Listen, here's the thing. Here's the great thing about that. If you can't earn it, when you get it, you can't lose it. If you can't be good enough to earn it, you can't be bad enough to lose it. Chew on that a minute. So, so you're telling me, so you're telling me there's nothing you can do to earn it. There's no good deed good enough to get it. But if you do something bad, then you lose it. Come on. 
You know what you're saying? The salvation is about your ability to be good then. Not on the simple and wonderful and amazing grace of God. It is not your ability to carry the cross. It's what he did on the cross. No work to be done. Nothing that I can do. It's by, and by the way, the faith that you got, he gave that to you too. I'm not, I'm not even going into that. Amen. What is it? What's the point? It's all God. It's all God. If we're going to heaven, it's because of God. If we have forgiveness, it's because of God. Nobody can boast in his presence. Nobody can brag in his presence. Nobody needs to stand and say, look at me. He says, don't even make it beautiful. I don't want any handiwork. I don't want no craftsmanship on it. He says, I don't want any man to glory in my presence. I went back and read 1 Corinthians chapter 1 again, just, just as a refresher for this right here. And, and, and he, talks about, he talks about the things that God uses. And man, it was an encouragement to me. Because God doesn't use wise things. God doesn't use grand things. God doesn't use things that this world thinks you have to be. God uses the foolish things of this world. God uses the simple things of this world. Why? So no man can glory in his presence. Why do you think he took a little lad and whipped a big old giant so nobody could say, look how strong David was. Look how mighty David was. Look what kind of ability David had. Look at the military might that David had. No, he was a little scrawny runt who took a rock and killed a big giant so everybody could say, what God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Why do you think he, he marched seven times around? He didn't want them saying, look at that great nation. Look at that great battle. Oh, no, it was God and only God. <laughs> why, do you think, why do you think God took the goofiest one at the college I went to and built a great work out here? The one everybody thinks wasn't even going to pass and finish. I can't tell you how many times I hurt Mr. Carter. <laughs> it's kind of hard for me to get on the young people who talk in here because I, you know. When I came back and preached chapel the first time after I graduated, the vice president was like, <laughs> You know why? God uses things everybody would throw away. And God uses things everybody said, that won't, that won't ever. You know why? Not, not, so, not so that weak one can say, look what I did. And David was careful not to do that. David was careful to say, all these people are going to know that there's a God in Israel. Now, there's a lot we can learn from that. One is that you say, I'm not skilled. So what? Are you willing? Don't forget this. God's not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. You know what I found out about people with ability? Usually, they're not available. 
And that's sad, but it's true. Are you willing? God will use you. Are you willing to step up? God will use you. But here's the thing. This is, this is the point we've got to get. When he does, when he does, how, how many of you, how many of you grew up in church? Anybody grow up in church? Raise your hand real high so I can see it. Okay. How many of you spent a long time in church? You, you've been there. You may not have grown up in it, but you've been in it a long time. Okay. How many of you been in the church long enough that, that, that certain people pray? You know, when I was growing up, there was, you know, dad would call on different men all over the congregation to pray. And, and each of them had their own little style. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? And, and, and there was some that when, that when dad would call on them to pray, we'd think, oh, good Lord, we're going to be here all night. Amen. <laughs> Did anybody have something like that? I'm just being honest. I'm just trying to be honest. And then there'd be something he'd call and say, yeah, that's a short one right there. Amen. Get on. That's ter- we're terrible people. Y'all know that? We are so carnal. But I, w- I would remember this phrase. I would remember, I would remember this phrase and, and several of them that would pray. Because, you know, when you're a baby Christian, you just listen to the older Christians and, and you just try to, try to do what they do. And, and that's fine. I mean, that's fine to learn from them. And, and, and you try to pray like they prayed and all that. And you'd hear this phrase. Maybe you've heard this phrase. We're going to be careful to give you all the glory and all the honor. Don't, have y'all heard that? And you know what? That brings a whole new meaning to this whole thing. That no matter what God does at Temple, we can look around this place, and I'm thinking, man, this is so awesome. This is crazy. We've been, we've been looking through pictures. Guys, we've been looking through pictures from the little building down there. There's no This is crazy. But when we go to think, look at us. We're the largest Baptist church in Coleman. That's a good way to become the smallest Baptist church in Coleman. Because if you don't recognize and remember where it come from, and you don't keep, now here's the thing, you don't keep God the central figure, the primary source of everything. It's not talent. It's not ability. It's not your skills. God said it so clearly. It's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Amen. That is really encouraging, but it's really humbling too. It's encouraging to know that I don't have to have it all together to be used by God. I don't have to have all the skills. I don't have to have all the talent. I don't have to have all the ability. God can use me just like I am. Matter of fact, He made me like I am. So why should I want to be anything else? But when, when He does use you, when you do gain the victory, when you do go in there and whoop the snot out of Jericho and beat all those other cities, 35. I was going down the list. 35 different cities they conquered. When you do do that, 
you better make sure and always go back to Shechem and go back to the central location and build you an altar and say, God, it's about you. It's not about me. Because I'm telling you, when you lose that and you miss that, you're not going to have victory anymore. Because God don't give you victory so you can have it easy. God doesn't give you victory so you can brag and the world will see how powerful you are. God gives you victory so you can point to Him. Brother Craig told me something. I, I, I've told you all this before, but it just it don't matter. I'll say it again because it's, so, it's good. We were in the, in the truck riding one day, and he said, he said, he said, Malcolm, he said, what God's doing there at Temple, he said, that's not for you. And God's doing something bigger there than you even know. Because he said, there's, there's men of God all over this country who love God more than you do. Because he knows me real good. I mean, literally, he knows me real good. I'm almost like his son in the faith, and he just said, there's a, people a whole lot better than you. And he's right. And he said, and this is what he said, and God's not doing what he's doing for you with them. So God's got something bigger in mind than just you. Isn't that scary? And this is what he said. He said, the, the city of Coleman does not need to see what you do for God. The city of Coleman needs to see what God does for you. Amen. That's right. Amen. So they can say, wow, what a God. Not, wow, what a church. Because if that is what's happening then we failed big time. We had, a, we had a deal. I ain't even saying this. And, and they meant well. But how many of y'all know, how many of y'all know every year they'll do that, the best whatever in Coleman? The newspaper, you know, the best restaurant, the best steakhouse, the best blah, blah, all that. They sent us a certificate one time, the best church in Coleman. Somebody took a picture up and posted it on Facebook. I said, please take that down. I, I don't even want to see that. And, I, and I, not, not because I don't appreciate it. I do appreciate all that stuff. But that's not what it's about. Amen. And really, that don't say we're the best church in town. That just says we have more people to vote. <laughs> I'm just being real. Right? See, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about this church. It's about Him. It's about His glory. It's about Him being honored. He said, don't put your hands on it. Your hands have nothing to do with what I'm doing for you. It's all about Him. Now let's look at the content. There was two types of offerings that they had. Two types of offerings. They had, they had burnt offerings and they had peace offerings. All right, say that with me. They had and two different types of offerings. Now, if you will go back and look in Leviticus, I think chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, he begins to talk about the offerings that God would uh, uh, command them to bring. Three, three of the types were voluntary. Others were compulsory. In other words, he said, you do this. There's no... There's no um, 
There's no, if you decide to, you do it. The first three were completely voluntary of, of your, own, your own free will, so forth and so forth. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, here's what they meant. <clears throat> here's what they meant. A burnt offering was completely consumed. In other words, it was, it was burnt, everything. I'm talking about nothing but ashes left. And, and that was an offering of repentance. That was an offering of complete devotion and commitment. Let me, let me read a, a, a defined uh, uh, explanation. This offering signified voluntary and complete dedication and consecration to the Lord. It was an offering of repentance for sins committed with a desire to be purged from the guilt of sinful acts. Designed to demonstrate the sinner's penitence and obedience, it indicated his dedication to the worship of God. Now, what do we find? We find God's people have just come away from a great disgrace, a great failure, sin in the camp. Uh, uh, it, it, it brought a, a mockery on God's people and a black eye to God's name, and so they had to deal with it. God had to bring judgment upon them. Because of the sin, God brought judgment. And then because of the judgment, God had to bring them to a place where they were repentant and they dealt with the sin. And because they dealt with the sin, God was with them again. And because God was with them again, they gained victory. And so here we are going to Shechem to set up a memorial, to set up a reminder of this fact that no matter what, we need God in our life. No matter what, sin is devastating. No matter what, we need to deal with it and we can come. There is an altar that we can come to. We don't have to bring a bull. We don't have to bring a goat. We don't have to bring a sheep. We don't have to, listen, we don't have to bring a lamb. We don't have to bring any of this. Why? Because the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world, died on a cross of Calvary one day. And all we have to do is come and say, God, forgive me of my sin. He said if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Are y'all with me? Say amen. We need to keep a short account. We need to make sure we hit this altar every time we can and say, God, wash me white as snow. Purge me, Lord. Take anything away. The psalmist said it well when he said, Search me and know me, O God. Is there any wicked way in me? Is there anything that would hinder your spirit from having his free reign in my life? Is there anything that would keep your presence away? Is there anything that would hinder your blessings on my life? Oh, we need to come to God and get clean say amen they brought the altar they built the altar and they brought that sacrifice and what what joshua was doing there is a new commitment there is a new commitment there is a new dedication there is a new restoring of our commitment to god i'm gonna tell you this i'm gonna tell you this as, as a as a human being and as a creature of nature we stray sometimes Sometimes we're not what we're supposed to be. And if you think you are, go ahead and take your halo down because don't nobody believe it no way. And there are times that we need to just come back and get right with God. No, you didn't rob a bank. No, you didn't go out and steal a car. No, you didn't shoot nobody. No, you didn't do this or that. But have you? are you where you're supposed to be with God? 
Are you closer to God today than you were yesterday? Do you still have that first love like you did when you first got saved? Are you still as excited and energized about the work of God in your life? You say, preacher, I don't have any of that. Well, it's time to hit the altar and let's restore it. Somebody say amen. It was a burnt offering. It was an offering saying, God, I know we messed up. God, I know we failed. I know that sin caused devastation and sin caused great consequences. But God, we are coming and we are restoring this relationship. We are coming and we are restoring the commitment to you. God, we're going to follow you and put you first in our life. Say amen right there. And then the second goes with the first. You see, this peace offering is also called a fellowship offering. I love this. You see, they would take this offering, and it would almost be, for a lack of better way to explain it, dinner on the ground. Because they would take the meat off the altar before it was consumed. Y'all with me? Can anybody say barbecue? (laughs) Literally, see, y'all think I'm telling you God's truth. That's what they did. And they would take and give a little bit to the preacher. And they would sit down with God's man in the presence of God. And they'd eat the barbecue. And they would fellowship. And they would enjoy each other's presence and fellowship with God. And it symbolized the communion and the fellowship. Watch this. The fellowship you can have when you're right with God. (laughs) Are y'all getting me up there in the balcony? Y'all looking good up there. Amen. Starting to look better. Alan's back. Amen. There we go. We got this whole row up there. One solid row. Look at this. The whole purpose of Jesus dying on the cross was so we could get to God. The purpose of His blood being shed was to wash our sin away so we could come into the presence of a holy God again. And you see, when sin is in our life, we're out of fellowship with God. You remember 1 John? God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. You can't have fellowship with Him. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Because you hadn't got there yet. But you will. Some of you think, what's the big deal? I'll tell you the big deal. If you've ever come to a place when you've been real intimate with God and you experience real close fellowship with God where you feel His presence and He holds you tight, there's there's no way to explain it. And you can't have that. You can't have that when you have sin in your life. So here's what they're doing. They're bringing this offering. They're bringing this offering. 
and they're, and they're, they're placing this burnt offering first. You see, you can't have fellowship when you're not right. And the only way to get right is through repentance. You see, William Booth, there was several things he said, but this is the guy that, that started the Salvation Army. He said, there's going to come a day when we're, want, we're going to want the, 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 the crown without the cross. And we're going to want forgiveness without repentance. We're going to want heaven without hell. That, 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 don't, that don't work. We come with the burnt offering first in repentance and commitment and surrender to him. Then we're able to offer the fellowship offering where we come into his presence and feel pretty good about it. I, I, let's go back again. Let's go back and use this illustration again. How many y'all had? How many y'all grew up in the whooping time? How'd you feel? No, 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 no. Let me finish. See, y'all just interrupted me. So let me finish. Let me finish. How did you feel when you knew they wasn't happy with you? you've disobeyed or you 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 did whatever it was you did and you knew it wasn't what you're supposed to do and you're in the same vicinity it could be in the vehicle it could be in the living room was it a little tense why are you saying all that because that's where some of you are right now you wonder why you can't enjoy church. You can't enjoy the fellowship with God's people. When there was a day you loved to get around God's people because you had something in common, you had that fellowship, you had Him. First John says, we're, we're speaking these things unto you that you might have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father. That's the whole point. That's why we come together as a fellowship with each other. Enjoy each other's company because what's in me is in you. That's the Holy Spirit. And, and when you're out, you can't enjoy that. Y'all with me? And so we're like the child that's sitting in the living room knowing mama or daddy's not happy with us. We can't even enjoy our favorite cartoon because we know. Y'all with me? What's the point? The point is this. It don't have to be that way. Because in that same chapter in 1 John, it says, if we confess our sins, you don't, have to bring a, you don't have to bring a calf, you don't have to bring a sheep, you don't have to bring a lamb. He was the lamb. All you got to do is come to him and be honest and say, I'm sorry. God, forgive me. If we confess our sin, he is faithful. Say that with me. He is To forgive us. And all God's people say it. That's the content of the altar. Uh, can we, we can finish in seven minutes, can't we? <clears throat> I need some positivity in here. <clears throat> all right. All right. Joshua built an altar. B, Joshua wrote the law on stones. <clears throat> 
Joshua wrote the law on stones. Write this, watch this. This act was an obedience, just like we said in Deuteronomy chapter number 20, 27. God told uh, Moses to tell the people to do this. And, and here's, a, here's a way to understand the purpose of this. In the Near East of that day, it was customary for kings to celebrate their greatness by writing records of their military exploits on huge stones covered with plaster. But the secret of Israel's victory was not their leader or their army. It was their obedience to God's law. Y'all remember in Joshua chapter number 1 where he said, he said if, you'll keep, if you'll keep the law in front of you. Now, now remember when we say the word law, we, we're talking about Scripture, God's Word. He said, don't turn to the right and don't turn to the left. He said, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. And so here's the point. The kings of that day, they would take and they would write down their military strategy. They would write how they conquered the, 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 the enemy, that how they did this and how they did that. Now, what did that do? It pointed to them. It pointed to their glory. Are you all with me? It pointed to their wisdom. It pointed to their power. And, and basically this, every, every world leader, they want their uh, heritage or their, uh, what's the word? What's the word? Legacy, that's the word I was looking for, their legacy. And so, so these, these conquerors would write this out because so, they wanted everybody to remember them and their legacy. And what Moses is trying to do and teach here is to remind the people always because where they put them, in Shechem, it was the center of everything that it's about God and God only. If you're going to be victorious, it's going to be through God. If you're going to have victory, it's going to be through God. If you're going to win the battle, it's going to be through God. He, he wrote it out. And, and, the, and the Bible says this. No, he didn't leave nothing out. See, we're living in a society today, we want to treat God's Word like the buffet. I, I, I took Dad to the Chinese buffet that first time, and I ain't going to tell you everything that happened, but I said, look, just look at it. If you like it, put it on your plate. If you don't, how many of y'all have never heard that story? Raise your hand if you've never heard the story. Oh, great, that's enough right there. <clears throat> y'all know my dad's country is cornbread, right? Never been to a Chinese restaurant in his life. Swore he'd never go. It's hamburgers and hot dogs for him. I said, come on, man. They got a buffet. It's no problem. Just look at it. And you can see it. If you like it, try it. If you don't, you don't have to eat it. And, and just, he, he said, okay. So we go. And y'all know they had the names up there above the food. And, and how many of y'all have ever seen Hunan beef? H-U- N-A-N. Hunan. Say it with me. Hunan. I make my plate. And I go sit down. It seemed like three days went by. Well, he finally comes around the corner, and he's white as a ghost. Now, you got to remember, he's never been to a Chinese restaurant. And he sits down. I said, man, what took you so long? I'm starving to death. He said, I said, what's wrong? I mean, he's literally, God is my witness. He's white as a ghost. He said, I seen that sign back there, and I thought it said human beef. (laughs) (laughs) 
don't care who you are. That's funny, doggone it. I said, this is a buffet. Pick what you want. But guess what? That only works at the Chinese restaurant. You can't do that at church. You can't quote the blessings and leave off the cursings. Because see, here's what they did. They put the ark and, 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 and basically, let's just say God's men, there in the center in the valley. They put six tribes over here and six tribes, kind of like made it like an amphitheater. If y'all with me, they didn't have microphones back then. And they wrote the law out and then they read it. All, and, and go, here's your homework. Go, go read it. Deuteronomy 26, 27, 28, maybe 29, I don't remember, but it's in them. There were blessings and there were cursings. Y'all with me? In other words, in other words, he said, he said, here's the blessings. I'm going to do this, 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 if you obey me. He said, now if you disobey me, I'm going to do this, 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 this. Are y'all with me? Blessings and cursings. Now watch this. After every blessing. After every blessing, all this crowd would say, y'all totally missed it. All right. All the blessings, this crowd would say, no, y'all the cursings. All right. All the blessings, and then they'd read the curses. After each curse, they'd go, y'all, oh, Listen, it's not my fault y'all got that. Now watch, now watch. Then God said this, then God said this. Watch this now, watch this. I place before you blessings. It's your choice. Now, now I'm glad, I'm glad we're not under the law anymore. But I'm glad of this. Now, everybody just be real still and quiet for a minute. So let me finish this because i got 27 seconds. We need to obey him. Because when we obey him, we have his presence in our life. When we have his presence in our life, we have his power in our life. When we have his presence in our life, we have his peace. Now, I'm telling you this. In a world full of turmoil, in a world that's getting turned upside down every day, we are in desperate need of the peace of God in our life. But I promise you this. Let's finish up with this. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. There is no peace when we are not in fellowship with Him. Because here's the thing. He is our peace he is the person of christ he is our peace when he is with us do you realize we can be in the worst storm there's ever been and be at total y'all missed it and be at total peace because peace is not determined by the circumstances like the devil wants you to think 
oh, if this would just change in my life, and if this person would just treat me better, if this would go, if I could have, no, 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 no. He is our peace. And all God's people say it. All right, we're late. Lord, thank you for this opportunity.